0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the County Cricket Podcast in association with our friends at Bear Crickets. I'm your host, Aaron, aka The Cricket Connoisseur, and joining me on my left for our first 2023 Metro Bank One Day Cup review show is none other than everybody's favourite up-and-coming cricket journalist, Mr. Kieran McCarthy. So, Kieran, first things first, mate. I'm guessing you've got Metro Bank fever. I certainly have. It's been a fantastic start to the competition in the summer of 2023. I've got to ask, mate, how's your day been so far?
1: It's been good. Um, been watching some entertaining cricket, and I'm buoyed by the fact that I interviewed Lewis Rees yesterday, and I must say he is one of the nicest men you could ever hope to speak to. So, shout out Lewis Rees.
0: I echo that sentiment, to be honest, Kieran. Yeah, very popular guest here on the County Cricket Podcast. Very charitable man as well, Lewis Rees. He's done an awful lot outside of game, so... What a lovely, wholesome way to kick start the review show with a shout out to Derbyshire's Lewis Reese. But, Kieran, we're not just here to discuss the great man, Lewis Reese. Of course, we are here to review an incredible first week of action in the Metro Bank One Day Cup. And for those who don't know how our review shows work, we basically just go through group by group and pick out our standout batting and bowling displays, look at the under 25 players of the week, and then have a look at our teams of the week before looking at the table. So it's a relatively quick review show in comparison to our county championship ones, but I think it's safe to say that we've got an awful lot to discuss. It's been quite the week in England and Wales' Premier List A competition. And, Kieran, what a better place to start than in Group B because we've borne witness to one of the greatest List A knocks of all time today. So, for those who aren't aware, we are recording this on Wednesday, the 9th of August. and pretty sure as we are recording this, basically as soon as we've sat down, has just completed one of the best list eight innings you will ever see in your life. 244 from 153 balls. It included 28 fours, 11 sixes, striking at 159.47. So, Kieran, before I get into the stats and I break down the, the facts and figures associated with this mammoth knock from the Indian International, a few words, just how remarkable was that effort from Northamptonshire's was pretty sure?
1: Yeah, um, I uh, turned it on, I think, just as he was about to pass 200 um, and the fact he'd already hit many many fours and sixes by that point um, and just continued to do so,
0: um,
1: yeah absolutely smashed 244 and, you know, Trithvi Shaw's sort of player. You hear a lot about um, in like school games in India of of players who hit massive runs. And I'm sure he's um, spoken before about hitting like four or 500 in a school game or something. So he's somebody that's just been brought up on a diet of massive scores. Um, And the fact that this isn't even his first um, list A double century just shows how much of a massively talented batter he is. um, And obviously has shown that very much so today.
0: He really has, Kieran, and you mentioned about the fact that he scored more than one List A double century. That in itself is absolutely incredible, isn't it? And when we look at the top 10 List A individual scores of all time, Peevy Shaw doesn't just feature once, he features twice, which is quite special, isn't it, to be honest? You mentioned his talent, and he was earmarked as a prodigy from a young age in India, on the on the May Dance of Mumbai, just racking up runs for fun, and Goodness me, it's great to see him in the Metro Bank One Day Cup. And I did say that I'd go into the List A stats with regards to this particular knock. And it's the sixth highest List A individual score of all time 244. As I said, it's the second time that Pritvi does feature in the list. In addition to this, he did score 227 out for Mumbai against Puducherry in February 2021. But in addition to being the sixth highest individual score, in the history of List State cricket, it's also the second highest on English soil. The only effort that beats this knock was Ali Brown's 268 against Glamorgan at the Oval in 2002. This is a special knock, to say the least. This is not something you see every single day. And Kieran, I've got to ask, in terms of Pritvi, what do you think makes him so dangerous? Because for those who haven't seen him, yes, we have seen him develop over the years on the international stage. Some people might have seen him in domestic cricket in India, right from Mumbai. But what do you think makes Pritvi Shaw such a dangerous talent in the list A format?
1: Well, he's a player that that can score all around the ground. And that's even from just watching the sort of 40 or 50 runs that I saw him get um, as he was about to pass 200. Um, he played an uppercut over the keeper's head for four. Um, he played a cut shot that he basically was nowhere near. It had been bowled basically to the wide line on the offside. And he sort of got there and then threw his body at it as he got there and smashed it for four. Um, and then, you know, for a diminutive man, he is a very powerful cricketer. Um, and he played one shot. Um, I think it was off Danny Lamb um, on, in the last over of the game, potentially the first of the innings, sorry. I think it was the first ball that he just picked up like really high elbow at sixth the ground just looked glorious. Just his ability to score all around the ground, score not only with power, but he's obviously got a lot of timing and control about his play as well. And there's a reason that you know he's opened the bat in for the um one of the highest power cricket countries in the world um because he is obviously a supremely talented cricketer and a very good timer and um bludgeoner of a cricket ball.
0: Well, he can do it all, Carney, And I think the, the key thing to take away from it is those scoring options. You know, he's got such a plethora of different scoring shots at his disposal. You mentioned the uppercut. He has a beautiful flick over mid-wicket as well. He hit a couple of lovely sixes today at Wantage Road with that exact same shot. And this was just an exhibition in list day cricket. And we, we weren't expecting something of this magnitude, right? Because 244 doesn't appear every single day. But goodness me, I'm glad that it's happened. If you're a Somerset fan, maybe not so much, because obviously it has resulted in Somerset conceding 415 runs. For those who aren't aware, we are actually talking as the game has taken place. There isn't actually a result at Wantage Road so far, but goodness me, that was something special from Pritvy Shaw. So I think it's safe to say, Kieran, our standout batting display in Group B this week might just be Prithvi Shaw.
1: Uh, indeed. It was going to be David Beddingham before... Um this knock because he is, his 100. Um, I can't actually remember who, who, who it was against now because the I'm sixth. just, yeah, I'm his 100 against, against Sussex. I'm just so wrapped up in, in the pretty short sure, 200 that you, you sort of forget Um, because David Beddingham hit an absolutely brutal 100. Um, And in again, another huge score for, for Durham as they made 427 in a 132 run win Um, and did it at a very fast pace and um, Durham's fastest list, 800, 6'4, 7'6's. So just smashing the ball to all parts. But I mean, you can't really argue with 244 of 153 balls from Prithby Shaw. Um, so absolutely, Prithby Shaw uh, is my standout batting performer in Group B.
0: Yeah, same for me, to be honest, mate. And it was just quite funny because not even 15, 20 minutes before this particular review show, I had Alex Lee's written down. Alex Lees in that exact same game scored 144. I thought it was a magnificent knock from the Durham captain as Durham recorded their highest ever list day total. He mentioned David Bedingham as well. The fastest list day century in Durham's history. Right, It was absolutely incredible. That was a great performance from Durham. And yeah, it does seem to be overshadowed, doesn't it, unfortunately, for this week by something just utterly remarkable from Pritvi Shore. So I think it's important as well to recognise those knocks from Alex Lees and David Beddingham because they were special to watch as well, but goodness made pretty Shaw take a bow. It really was remarkable, and yeah, it's a knock that, to be honest, I don't think we're going to forget anytime soon, to say the very, very least. Well done, pretty Shaw. A very, very special knock from the Northamptonshire opener at Wanted Road on this particularly sunny Wednesday in August. But, Kieran, aside from standout batting displays then, let's change our attention to bowling displays, and I'm very interested to see who you've selected for this particular category but what would you say was the standout bowling performance in group b this week
1: well there's there, there was potentially a few to choose from uh, there's been a few three furs, four um and a couple of four in the same game um in gloucestershire's win against Northants, actually um so you could have potentially chosen either one of those. I think for me, the standout uh, of those two performances was Tom Price's four for twenty-six. Um, it was a very tight game in which Northants uh, fell short by twenty-three runs, um, and Price got the crucial wickets of Tom Taylor, who would probably have won them the game had he not got out. He was one hundred and twelve uh, off eighty-eight with four overs left as he got out, so a huge wicket, um, and then. Price also pushed, pushed things off by getting Jack White, who um, had stuck in for a while, um, and potentially could have seen them over the line. Um, you know, alongside him, there was, there was another forfeit in that innings, but I think his was just um, the the stage of of the wickets that he got at the time that he took the wickets and um, how big the wickets were, and the fact that his economy was very good, um, having bowled nine point one overs for. 26 runs and taking four wickets for me that would be the standout performance um not only in that game but in the entire of of group b um at the start of the tournament
0: fair enough kieran i mean this is quite a nice change isn't it actually for our review shows because again we're both in agreement i thought that was an exceptional display from tom price and you mentioned the big wickets of tom taylor and jack white towards the business end but good as me started off well didn't he as well with the big wickets of emilio Gay. And Ricardo Vasconcelos bowled 39 dot balls over the course of 9.1 overs. Let's face it, both him and Ollie Price, they have been some massive standout players for Gloucestershire this season. Ollie Price, for example, his brother, scored 116 outs against Derbyshire, also at Cheltenham. So those two really are having standout seasons. And yeah, Tom Price in that game, I'd completely agree, Kieran. He was unstoppable, wasn't he? You know, just discipline, line, and length not allowing any loose deliveries to enter his game, and just produced all sorts of problems over the course of that particular match. So again, I think we're both in agreement, to be honest there, Kieran. And I suppose just one which I also did have to mention, aside from that 4-for-26 from Tom Price, was Liam Travaskis, in the very first game of the competition, took a hat-trick, the first ever hat-trick in Durham's List A history. And again, it's quite incredible that that's almost been overshadowed. I do feel bad for the Durham players this week because they put in some excellent individual displays. But yeah, I just had to give a shout-out to Liam Travaskis. He hasn't played tons of cricket this season. I know he will have been a little bit disappointed by the fact that he hasn't had to to play as many games as he would have hoped. But goodness me, this is a great opportunity for him to really vie for a place in that Durham team again. And he grabbed it with both hands with that hat-trick. So shout-out to Liam Travaskis as well. I thought that was a wonderful individual display from the Durham spin bowler. But Kieran, aside then, from our standout batting and bowling displays in Group B this week. This is a real interesting category. This is our standout under-25 player of the week. Now, funnily enough, the two players that we've mentioned so far are both under-25. Pretty sure it's 23, as is Tom Price. So have you chosen one of those two? Or have you gone for a slightly different candidate? Who do you think is the under-25 player in Group B this week?
1: Well, before today, I was sort of struggling to find an under-25 player because I was sort of looking around and there's been a lot of players who've put in like one good performance. You know, we've we've spoken about Tom Price. Obviously, Ollie Price also hit 100. So those two would have been right up there. I think it probably would have been Tom Price. But again, pretty short, is it 244 of 153 balls? And I think you would struggle to argue against picking him. Um, Still only... 23 years old which seems a little bit mad because he's um opened the bat in for india for for a good few years um i know he's not particularly right at the top of their um pecking order at the moment but you know has played international cricket for a little while now so um the fact that he is still 23 is is a little bit mad um and yeah for for somebody that young to have already achieved as much as he has in the game we've mentioned is is couple of List A double centuries that are both in the top 10 list A scores ever. Um, It would be difficult to argue against him being the uh, standout under 25 player in this round of uh, One Day Cup fixtures.
0: Fair enough, Kieran. You make a very valid argument there, runs. As of this recording, he is the leading run scorer in this year's Metro Bank One Day Cup with 304 runs, an average of 101.33, and that strike rate 148.29. Pretty sure. What a signing! I mean, we mentioned in the in the preview show, didn't we, about the fact that Northampton could potentially be a dark horse. Do you think Pritvi's made them an out-and-out contender now? I know that's a very interesting question, but what do you make of the the pickup and the transfer of Pritvi Shaw into that Northants batting lineup?
1: Well, it obviously strengthens them quite a lot, um, having you know a fully fledged international batter at the top of the order, who is, I think, it would be. Difficult to argue that he's not the best or certainly one of the best um, overseas players in the one day cup this season. Um, and North um having won one, lost one so far, certainly the chances of winning more games are very much improved by having somebody of his quality at the top of the order. Um, and, you know, the fact that he's already hit 300 runs, I know this knock has done a lot of heavy lifting for that, but it very much shows that that could continue throughout the campaign. And yeah, if uh, Prithvi Shaw does continue in this manner, they very much do have a good chance of going a little bit further than potentially it would have looked like they would have done um, before he was signed.
0: I'd agree, to be honest, Kieran. I mean, it's a fantastic signing, isn't it? Prithvi Shaw, international quality bat at the top of the innings and, goodness me, is delivering so far. And yes, that has done a lot of heavy lifting, but... Again, I do think he's definitely a worthy candidate of that category in Group B this week. I think just to to switch things up a little bit, though, we've spoken primarily there about North Ants and Durham, for example, and of course, Gloucestershire. I've actually chosen a Somerset player as my under-25 player of the week because he really impressed me against my county of Warwickshire. And the player that I've selected is Lewis Goldsworthy. Now, Goldsworthy has done this in the past. He's got quite a good list A record for Somersets. He does provide these little cameos and these handy knocks in the past, but in particular, that 78 that he scored against the Bears at the Cooper Associates County ground, that really stood out to me because it showed maturity. It showed maturity beyond his years, and it showed the ability to dig in and dictate the tempo of an innings. And even though Somerset ultimately went on to lose that game, Ed Barnard scored a fantastic 94 up the top of the innings for the Bears to to see them home in the run chase. But that really did stand out to me in that first innings. Lewis Goldsworthy's temperament. And the way in which he could just dictate the pace of the play. So I have to give a bit of a mention there to Lewis Goldsworth. He's still only 22 years old. And in addition to that 78 against the Bears, also followed up with a valuable 47 against Worcestershire to help Somerset to their first victory of their campaign in Taunton. So he's had a good week. And yes, he'll fly under the radar in comparison to Shaw and the Price Brothers. But I just think he's had a really solid start to the campaign. And I've only really spoken there about his batting. Also with the ball, he's taken three wickets with a shrewd 5.57 economy rate. So Lewis Goldsworthy, watch out for him. That would be my advice for any Somerset fans, not just in white ball cricket, but in red ball cricket as well. I've been really surprised by his admission at times in their red ball setup, but yeah, he's got a very, very bright future, has the spin bowling all around us. So my under 25 player of the week in group B will be Lewis Goldsworthy. But Kieran, aside then from those first three categories in Group B, let's take a look at our fourth and final one, which will be an interesting one. It's the team of the week. Who have you selected as the team of the week at the end of this first round of fixtures in Group B?
1: Well, I've chosen a team um, that we haven't mentioned a player from yet. Um, and I think it would be difficult to look past Warwickshire Um because they're the only side that's won 100% of the games that they've played so far and they've won both with relative ease um and both in contrasting styles you would say um against gloucestershire obviously a very dominant bowling performance to bowl them out for 120 which made it a really easy chase and then somerset um it was another good bowling performance obviously not quite as dominant as as the other game but um the fact that they were able to restrict somerset to um just around 200 and not 230 odd um, and knocked that off with uh, around six overs left um, And I think the fact that we haven't mentioned anyone from Warwickshire yet sort of speaks to the the fact that a lot of players have chipped in and done a lot for them um, so far, particularly with the ball. I mean with the bat it's been very much um, obviously the Gloucestershire game. There's not a lot of opportunity for a lot of people to to do a lot. I know Ed Barnard and, and Will Rhodes have both had decent batting performances in both games, but particularly with the ball, and um, the likes of Barnard, Han Dolby, Jake Lintott, um, obviously Danny Briggs um is now able to to come back as as well. So, um, for that reason, um, and the fact that there there have been a lot of um people chipping into the performances, I would say and that Warwickshire are the team of the week for me and Group B.
0: Well, this should come as absolutely no surprise to long-term listeners because you'll know my, my bias when it comes to county cricket, but I have also gone with the Bears of Warwickshire. I think it's been a great start to the campaign. And yes, obviously, the Bears do have a very experienced bowling attack in comparison to the likes of Somerset, for example, but goodness me, you have to deliver. And the Bears certainly have done that in those first two matches. They've taken 19 at possible 20 wickets. And you look at Oliver and Dolby, five wickets, average of 10.6. Jake Lintot, five wickets, average of 11.4. Those two really have spearheaded the bowling attack for the Bears in different ways. OHD providing the wickets in the first power play and then Jake Lintot just tightening the screws as the game goes into the middle overs. But in addition to the bowling, the batting as well has been really impressive. And I think the move to put Ed Barnard up to the top of the order, to have him opening alongside Rob Yates is an inspired move. I'm not entirely sure where the origins are. I know that in our on our showcase game at Sutton Coldfield, he opened the batting and scored 89 against the Warwickshire League Invitational Eleven. but that's just a stroke of genius. The 94 against Somerset was followed up by a very valuable 36 against Gloucestershire in that victory at Edgbaston, and I just think he's been excellent. But it's not just him. It's the likes of Michael Burgess. It's the likes of Will Road. Rob Yates himself is scoring runs. And it was brilliant to see Kai Smith finish off the victory in Taunton. So I completely agree with your analysis there, to be honest, Kieran. I think the Bears have been excellent. And it is very early days. Yes, they've only played two matches. But I like the balance of the Bears this year. If they can just replicate these performances in the big moments, because this is something they failed to do in 2022. I think back to the Somerset game. At Edgbaston, where they were one victory away from reaching the playoffs and unfortunately couldn't get across the line. If they can replicate these moments in those big games, just watch out for the Bears because they could be a very dangerous opponent in this year's Metro Bank One Day Cup. And talking of the wider picture then of Group B, of which the Bears are currently top of the table, let's take a look at the standings in that group at the end of the first week. So, At the top of the table, as we've just mentioned, are Warwickshire on four points with a massive net run rate of 1.622. In second, having played three matches, are the Worcestershire Rapids on four points as well. In third are Gloucestershire, also on four points but with a negative net run rate. In fourth are Durham on three points with a positive net run rate. In fifth are Glamorgan, also on three points but with a negative net run rate. So they are currently below Durham in the table. In sixth and seventh, both currently on two points apiece, but by the end of the day, one of these teams will probably be on four points, are Somerset and Northants both on two points apiece, and in eighth and ninth positions are Derbyshire and Sussex, with zero points from their first two matches. So, very early days, we can't really analyse too much into proceedings in Group B, but, goodness me, that is looking like a very tasty group, to say the least, and Kieran talking of a very tasty group, let's now switch our attention So Group A, the the group which, before the tournaments had even started, was coined as the Group of Death. So in terms of the standout batting display, there's quite a few to choose from, aren't there, in this group for this week. Who have you selected as your standout batting performance in Group A after the first week of fixtures in this year's Metro Bank One Day Cup?
1: I'm excited to know if we might actually have different answers this time because obviously there's there's not one standout because there has been quite a lot of um, good performances and there's been quite a few tons. Um, For me, it was in Kent's opener against Yorkshire. Um, There were two tons. Obviously, Ben Compton hit one at the top, um, which was in a good um, partnership Mainly with um, the the man who I have chosen, which is Joey Everson, who hit 136. Um, he came to the crease at 49 for nine, um, and another wicket at that point would have put Yorkshire massively in the ascendancy, um, and put together a 200-plus partnership with Compton, um, striking at 128. And given Kent eventually won won that game by only two runs on Duckworth lewis Stern. Um, the pace of the innings um, and, you know, just squeezing out every potential run may have been what was the difference in winning them that game. Had he got a couple of runs less or done it at a slightly slower pace, um, Yorkshire had every chance once they got into their innings that if they were a couple of runs different um, and they had a little bit more time before the rain came to make a few more runs, um, they could potentially have won that game. So, um, for the fact that uh, Joey Everson essentially came in and saved Kent's innings alongside Ben Compton, um, it is Joey Everson for me.
0: Fair enough, Kieran. It's funny that you mentioned that we might actually disagree on that one. I've also gone with Joey Everson. And I described it as swashbuckling in Scarbados because I think that's a very apt way to describe it. It was an excellent performance, wasn't it, from Joey Everson, who really has come to his own. In this particular competition, I think back to last year's One Day Cup final at Trent Bridge. And he scored 96 in the final to ultimately help guide Kent over the line in that particular match against Langs. And This was just a great start to the tournament, wasn't it? On an opening day, which saw four centuries and two hat tricks, which by the way is remarkable, isn't it? That is an extraordinary start to proceedings in the Metro Bank One Day Cup. Four hundred and two hat tricks on the same day, was just incredible to witness. And to be honest, I would agree, Joey Everson's was the standout in a very packed field. 136, which included seven sixes, 14 fours to boots And as you mentioned, he came in in such a difficult situation because Ben Code bowled beautifully, didn't he, Kieran? I mean, we will probably discuss that in due course because that's one of my honourable mentions for the bowling displays. What was it three for 16? at North Marine Road earlier this week. It was a remarkable display. But, yeah, Joe Everson, he's a very talented cricketer, to say the least. So, yeah, I would also go with Joe Everson's 136. But aside from that, Kieran, another display that I just wanted to touch upon, actually, fully enough, which also happens to take place in that first day of action in the Metro Bank One Day Cup, was Fletcher Middleton's ton for Hampshire, and again maybe he might come up in a category later but i'm not sure if you you saw that knock but again that was a very very impressive knock wasn't it from the young Hampshire opener
1: yeah and he's very much um maturing quickly this season obviously he's um he's now opening the batting in, in uh, the county championship as well um and certainly started the season quite well and has had um a relatively good season um and is continuing that um in the one day cup and for some players it it has looked and for some sides it's looked somewhat difficult to adapt to um playing white ball cricket coming straight out the back of a county championship round um so for someone so young to have a performance like that in the first game of the competition shows a lot of maturity and um just poise in his game and you know he's going from strength to strength certainly this season
0: He really is, and still only 21 years old is Fletcher Middleton. He's a very good prospect, so if you're a Hampshire fan, just keep a close eye out on this guy. I think he's got a very bright future in this game that we call cricket, and as I said, I think that was a really good knock. 100 from 101 balls. Excellent way to kickstart your campaign in 2023. And just one final display that we do have to touch upon here and that we haven't mentioned so far, because... This guy is obviously a lot more established. He's an England international, but Ben Foulkes' ton, that was a special moment, wasn't it? A maiden list day century against Leicestershire at the Oval. A few words on that, if you could, mate. That was wonderful to watch, wasn't it, from Ben folks
1: Yeah, absolutely. And obviously he's not really in, in the conversation for white ball cricket for England. Um, and you know, you can see why, because you know how England play white ball cricket, even though the, the two red ball and white ball are coming together, I don't think he he ever would be in the conversation for white ball cricket. But still, you know, he's showing that he's very much capable of impacting games cricket, scoring runs. um, And, you know, he's spoken this week about how hard it was for him to be um, omitted from the Ashes squad. um, And what better a time to have a knock like that when he didn't play in the Ashes and there's... You know, going to be opportunities in the future for England that obviously if he continues scoring runs, he is going to be back in the conversation for England. I think a lot of people expect that he probably will go to India. Um, He's obviously performed in the subcontinent uh, for England previously. Um, I think his uh, maiden test century was in Sri Lanka. So the fact that he's scoring runs for Surrey um, is very much a statement. And obviously he didn't play... Uh, in this tournament last season for Surrey, um, and I actually said in, in the preview show that I didn't think the fact that folks and Rory Burns were playing for them would be a massive boost to their side. Um, and immediately, I've been proven wrong by Ben Fokes and I'm quite happy about it because I'm a big fan of Ben folks. um and you know he's obviously he is the best wicketkeeper in the country um, by quite a long way. But you know. He's definitely got another string to his bow and um, is showing that in white ball cricket, even he can contribute with the bat. Um, So, yeah, a fantastic knock. And, you know, in the wider picture, it's certainly a statement one, I would say.
0: It really is. And again, it was just a great moment, wasn't it? For someone who's toiled away in counter cricket for a long time, obviously an England international bitterly disappointed to miss out on that place in the Ashes team. I think as you said, Kieran, it was a statement, wasn't it, from Ben Folkes, and what a bonus that is for Surrey, because they've lost so many players, haven't they, for this competition? To have someone of Ben Folkes' calibre, quality, and talent in that starting eleven, it is a massive boost. And well done, Ben Folkes, that's all I'll say. Great seeing rack up a maiden list a century in the Metro Bank One Day Cup. But Kieran, aside from our batting performances in Group A, let's turn attention to the bowling displays and this, for me, was ridiculously hard. I did choose one in the end, and to be honest, it probably is the most likely one to choose this week because it involved six wickets being taken by a certain Leicestershire Seymour. I can see the smile beaming on your face already because I think we've chosen the exact same display. But in terms of a standout bowling performance, of which there were many in Group A this week, which one would you say stood out the most to you over the course of these last seven days? This will come as a surprise, but I have
1: chosen Roman Walker.
0: Um, <laughs> Never, surely yeah,
1: not. You see, it's strange. Um, yeah, six for forty-three, and um, he's not played a whole lot of List A cricket. I think it's eight games, if my research serves me well, um, and he's taken ten wickets. So, I mean, you don't have to be a, a fantastic mathematician to work out that more than half of his List A wickets came in that game. Um, and he contributed to an absolute absolute battering um, after a very good batting performance from um, the top order, uh, well, top to middle order of the Leicestershire side. Um, and, you know, you mentioned that you thought uh, in the previous year Leicestershire were, we're going to be up there. Um, I certainly think the batting uh, makes them capable of going well. And if you're going to have performances like that from Roman Walker taking six wickets, um, you know, there's a very good chance that the bowling can can live up to that as well. And also, um, Josh Hall had a four wicket hall, um, not quite as impressive as, as Roman Walker's six for, but, you know, everybody seems to be singing off the same hymn sheet at Leicestershire at the moment. Um, and, you know, performances like that a six for 43 from Roman Walker, um, certainly show that, um, You know, the batting and bowling is up to the same standard and they could certainly have a very good season if um, performances like that continue from somebody who hasn't actually played an awful lot
0: of list day cricket in his career. He's definitely got a bright future, hasn't he, Roman Walker? I mean, I I look back to his his Glamorgan days. He was a very raw prospect with the Welsh outfit, but one thing that's always stood out to me is pace. He always charges in with absolute ferocity and... He certainly did that, didn't he, in that game against Kent in Beckenham? A record-breaking performance, it has to be said. A, a dominant victory, 264 runs to be precise, for the Leicestershire Foxes over the Kent Spitfires in Beckenham this week. And Roman Walker was the, the catalyst, wasn't he? As you mentioned, Leicestershire's batting did certainly come to the forefront, but it was just aided, aptly supported by that bowling display, and Roman Walker's scintillating six for 43 was definitely a large reason behind that. So for those reasons, Kieran, I've also gone with Roman Walker. I thought his pace was excellent. I love the the change-up of his line and lengths. And in particular, the short ball, he was bowling that like a demon in the South East this week. So shout out to Roman Walker, a lovely way to celebrate his 23rd birthday with a career best six for 43. But aside from Walker, just another few performances that I did just want to shout out, actually. In Group A this week, Tom Scriven, the Scrizzard, as he (laughs) shall now be known, at Grace Road, taking a maiden list, say, five for, with figures of five for 66 against Surrey at the Oval. And then you mentioned that four for 43 from Josh Hull. He will come up in, in very due course, actually, Kieran, because, spoiler alert, he might be in the next category for me. But that four for 43 against Notts was also very impressive. And just one more that I had to shout out this week. Dane Patterson's 4-for-30. Brilliant bowling display from the South African International against Essex. Pretty much killed that game, didn't it, to be honest. Completely tore through their batting lineup with those figures. And, yeah, to tell you what, Nottinghamshire do look like the real deal in this year's Metro Bank One Day Cup, as we shall discuss in just a few moments' time. But, Kieran, I did allude to it there, our under-25 player of the week. And I might as well kick-start this category because... I've already blabbed it out. I've already ruined my choice. I have gone with Josh Hall because the more that I see of this guy, the more impressed I become. So he's six foot seven. He's a left arm seam bowler. So he just angles it back beautifully into the right handers. And the way in which he bowled against a very strong Knott's team was excellent to see. He's got so much potential, so much promise. And I'm not just talking white ball cricket. I'm talking of red ball cricket as well. He is a very disciplined character for someone who's only 18 years old. So I look at this stage of his career, and yes, he's still raw. He's still very young. He's very inexperienced. He's only played three list A matches as of this podcast, but he's already taken six wickets and he's already causing problems. So for me, I've gone with Josh Hull. I think he's a great prospect. He's another product of that Leicestershire Academy system, which yet again just seems to be producing good player after good player, and for all of the above reasons, my under-25 player of the week in Group A is Josh Hall. So, Kieran, I've gone with Mr Hall from Leicestershire. Unfortunately, not from Yorkshire. That would have been perfect, actually, if he was from the White Rose. Mr Hall from Yorkshire. But who have you selected as your under-25 player of the week in Group A for the first round of fixtures?
1: I have actually stuck with Roman Walker um, for... You know, essentially, a lot of the same reasons that he, he isn't the most experienced player in List A cricket. Um, as I mentioned, I think it's only eight List A games that he's played. Um, and, you know, the wickets haven't been um, massively frequent uh, up to this point because of, you know, the lack of List A cricket that he's played. But to to kick off the season with a six for, um, you know, certainly shows um, he's capable of, of going on. Um, and continuing to do so and um, he took a five for in a um india tour game and got some really good batters out in that game and so you know he's he shown already um that was last summer that he's very much capable of taking big scalps um and yeah he's still 23 years old uh, he's actually four days younger than me which is somewhat depressing um so that has nothing to do with the, the reason that he, he is my number 25 player of the week. It just happens to be um, a fact for you. Um, but, yeah, a, a phenomenal performance. And um, even though, you know, he's not as young as, as someone like Hall, who um, obviously has a very high ceiling, if you will pardon the pun, because he's six foot seven. Um, yeah, for me, Roman Walker, um, which is nice because two Leicester seasons in the same category.
0: It is nice and again it is a testament isn't it to the young talent which Leicester sure have got in that team. We mentioned about their, their rebuild all the way back in 2021 and it's good to see the fruits of their labour finally coming to the forefront and, and winning games and, and changing the, the dynamic of matches. It's great to see so Josh Hall and Roman Walker, two excellent shouts I've got to say in what's been a very promising week for Leicester Just one final shout-out that I did want to mention, actually, for this particular category is Ben Martindale, actually, from Nottinghamshire, purely because he got his maiden list, A50. And I saw this guy last year in Bristol, actually, against Gloucestershire. He didn't score tons of runs, but he just had a lot of power. And I like the way in which he plays his whiteboard cricket. So, again, Nottinghamshire fans, watch out for Ben Martindale. I do think he's got quite the ceiling in particular. In List Day Cricket, I think it's quite a good format for him. So shout out to Ben Martindale as well. So I'll just give him an extra mention on this week's episode of the podcast. And Kieran, talking of Knots, that brings me sensationally onto our last category for the podcast this week, actually. And that is our Group A Team of the Week, because I have gone with Nottinghamshire. A bit like with Warwickshire, they are unbeaten in Group A. But for me in particular with Knots, it's the bowling the bowling just looks scary, doesn't it? With Dame Patterson, Brett Hutton, Tom Lowton as well is proving to be quite the shrewd piece of business, isn't he? From Yorkshire, I thought he bowled brilliantly in that game against Leicestershire in which Notts actually won that game. So I have gone with the East Midlands County of Nottinghamshire and it's not just the, the bowling, of course. I've mentioned already Ben Martindale but they've got the likes of, of Lyndon James, Ben Slater who's just got a remarkable list day record. He really is a fantastic... 50 over cricketer. They've got Matthew Montgomery in there who again his record speak for itself and even Haseeb Hamid as the captain. I think he leads the side very well. Yes, he hasn't been in the runs as of yet but very early days and someone of Haseeb's caliber and quality is never out of the runs for very long. So for all of those reasons, Kieran I've gone with Not and I'd absolutely love to know if you've gone for someone similar or have you gone with a different team? Would you agree with Not or has another side stood out for you in Group A over the course of these last seven days?
1: I was sort of leaning towards Leicestershire, um, you know, largely due to the variety of performances across the side um, against Kent. I think there were five different half century makers. Um, it was obviously a 264 run win, which is enormous. Um, that was the game in which Ramon Walker took a six for. Um, you know so far this season, um, Vian Mulder's taken four wickets and hit 218 runs. Um, he and Peter Hanscom, who has 165 runs, were top of the run scorers chart before today's game. But obviously, Prithby to sure, um, has gone top of that. Um, but as you say, not have won both games, um, and they also beat Leicestershire. So, I think it would it wouldn't make much sense uh, if I was to pick Leicestershire when Notts have won 100% of their games and have beaten Leicestershire. Um, Obviously, that game for Notts, you mentioned the ball in a very good ball performance to reduce Leicestershire to 214 for nine. Obviously, a side that I've got a lot of batters that have shown that um, they're capable of of scoring big runs as in in the game against Kent and then obviously kept pace with the bat to win on on duck with Lewis Stern. So, um, I think it's uh, it's sort of obvious enough that knots um, are the standout side, um, but Leicestershire um, have certainly, you know, shown that they're very good at the start of this uh, round and and a little bit um, higher up in in my estimations than they were beforehand.
0: See, I had the vision; I could see Leicestershire being in those upper echelons in Group A. I just looked at them on paper. I did think they looked very good, so. Yeah, I think that's fair, to be honest, Kieran. As I said, Notts and Leicestershire have been very strong. And just one other county that I do think we have to mention for this category is Hampshire. I know they've only played two matches, but again, they are unbeaten. We've mentioned Fletcher Middleton's turnons. How good was it to see Keith Barker back in county cricket? I have missed that man. It was brilliant to see him back in action, taking a three for in yesterday's match. It's just great to see. It really is. King Keith. Back in county cricket, taking wicket, being dangerous with the new ball. Shout out to Keith Barker. Wonderful to see you back. And I've no doubt that that Hampshire bowling attack will be causing all sorts of problems for opposition in Group A over the course of these next three to four weeks. But, Kieran, then aside from our discussion, our debate, our, our discourse about Group A, let's take a look at the standings at the end of this first week. And at the top of the Group A table are knots on five points. In 2nd and 3rd, both on 4 points, but with varying levels of net run rates, are Leicestershire and Hampshire. In 4th, are Lancashire on 2 points. In 5th, having played an extra game, are Yorkshire, also on 2 points. In 6th, are Kent on 2 points, but with a severely affected net run rate of minus 3.9. Then in 7th and 8th, are Middlesex and Surrey respectively, having 1 point apiece after 2 matches. And in ninth and bottom place of Group A, rather surprisingly... Are Essex with just one points from their first three matches, so I think it's safe to say, to be honest, that this first week of action in the Metro Bank One Day Cup has just been glorious, hasn't it? Here, and I mean, just to end today's episode, how brilliant is it to have this competition back in our lives? It's just, it's just wonderful, isn't it?
1: It is. Um, it is a competition that last season. Uh can't say I paid an awful lot of attention to. I am actually a fan of the hundred. Um I don't mind the hundred. Um I think it it does sort of take away from the um the prestige of the one day cup if you like, but then also it gives opportunities to the younger players. Um and obviously there's a lot of players who potentially might not have had um a start in professional cricket as yet in their careers because of that. Um you know you look at the likes of um, Yorkshire for example, there's a lot of guys playing for Yorkshire at, at the moment that, that don't really play in other formats, Essex um, you know, um sort of contributing to their, their downfall a, a little bit at the moment, I think uh, certainly a lot of Essex fans uh, feel that their side is a little bit inexperienced at the moment Um I thought they were going to go quite well at the start of the tournament, they haven't done so far but I'm sure they're able to turn it around, but yeah I think it is a bonus that um, that a lot of players, a lot of the big names aren't available. Um, a lot of people would probably prefer it if they were, but I think it, it gives it a nice um, sort of, it, it is a nice feature that that youngsters are, are able to um, cut their teeth in the competition. And yeah, it's been a fantastic start to the competition. And uh, it is really winning me over, um, even though I, I still like the 100 and... and um, I'm not prepared to to pick a favourite, but yeah, I'm, uh, I'm a big fan of the One Day Cup so far this season.
0: Well, that is excellent here, isn't it? And to be honest, folks, I think it goes without saying, but I'm loving the One Day Cup so far. I love it every single year. This was the competition that kickstarted my county cricket journey back in 2009. I just love Liste cricket. It's brilliant. I've had this discussion, this debate so many times on this podcast. I just think it's a wonderful format and the fact that the One Day Cup yet again is delivering. We had four centuries and two hat-tricks on the first day. We've just seen the sixth highest list day score in the history of the game, and we're only a week in. So goodness knows what's going to happen for the rest of the tournaments. But I'll tell you what, folks, we will be here. We will be seated watching every single bit of the action over the course of these next three weeks in the group stages because I guarantee that we have not seen the last of the action in this year's Metro Bank One Day Cup. I think it's going to be a great tournament. I'm thoroughly looking forward to covering it. And yeah, bring it on. Bring it on and bring on the final in September as well. Always a lovely occasion to go and watch that at Trent Bridge in Nottingham. But that is it from us two here at the County Cricket Podcast for today's episode. To each and every single one of you wonderful listeners out there, thank you ever so much for tuning in. And as always, guys, we'll see you on the next one.